Welcome to the Dark Depth Podcast, your go-to place for the modern and legacy formats. I'm one of your hosts, Billy Mitchell, and I am here with the all-form himself, Michael Mapson. How are you? I'm good, but a little bit tired. How are you? I'm also pretty good, but a little bit tired. It's It's been a long week, I feel like. just I know I feel like we say this every week, but it's, I'm just tired. I don't know. I actually haven't had a long week. I don't think I'm just... <laughs> just been up all day oh wait how long have you been up well i mean that's not even true um and i actually just woke up from a nap so i guess i haven't <laughs> really been up all day but it, it sounded good when i said it so. oh, gosh like, as soon as I, you like, called me out for yeah, facts exactly they can take it back question uh, comment withdrawn <laughs> oh man um well we actually had uh psat's today at school and then we had mock trial after school uh we're in the middle of the I don't, I don't want to keep call it finals week. It's um, the testing period. So each department or two departments are allowed to give a test a day. Um, so my day is tomorrow. So I have to make tests for two of my classes today, which means I have to make three different tests. Cause the one test has a, like a uh, different levels. So I'm making three tests after we're done recording. So relatively, relatively busy on my front. Yeah, so the wife had to deal with PSATs today, too. Mm. Um, they sound not fun to give. <laughs> They're just, you know, and I think the PSATs in general are fine. Um, the kids don't realize we use them for um, placement in, like, AP classes. So, like, we had somebody, I think, like, two or three years ago, who you know, ended up being, like, really high in their class. But they were like, I mean, I don't want to take the PSAT, so they just, like, filled it in and, like, you know, basically failed the PSAT, and they're like, okay, well, I want to take uh, AP Gov, and we're like, no, I, we're not leaving you AP Gov, you failed your <laughs> you failed your PSAT, it's like, yeah, but, like, it doesn't matter, it's like, no, we, we look at those scores, and they're like, oh, well, okay, well, can I retake it, it's like, no, it's PSATs, you, you took it in school, you're done, um, so they didn't get into their, an AP class, um, with their, like, junior year or something like that, and they were furious, and it's like, you shouldn't have messed around on your stupid test. Um, we use the, the PSATs, too, for um, math. So t- if people want to get in their APs or their, uh, well, AP Stat or AP Chem, or AP Stat or AP Chem, AP Stat or AP Calc, um, we look at their PSAT scores until they get their SAT scores. So um, there's a bunch of kids who always get, like, shut shut down because they didn't know that their PSAT scores count at their, their sophomore year. So it's always fun. Yeah, I, I can see that being frustrating as a student. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, to be fair, I I feel like if you've got no place to be anyway, it's like why not actually try? Like you can't. It's not like you can like finish early and like play on your phone. Like you literally have no place to be. No one's gonna pick you up. No one can talk to you. And you can't talk to anybody else. It's like just just be cool and take your test. You can't just finish and leave. Nope. You if you finish, um, you know, the last section was forty minutes. So if you if you finish at with 35 minutes left, you sit there for 35 minutes. Like, there's literally no benefit to finishing early. Fair. Yeah. All right. Um, how about we talk about some decks of the week? Sounds good. Cool. All right. Um, well, we got a couple. Um, do you want to talk about modern or do you want to talk about legacy? Uh, I'll talk about modern. Okay. So what's the modern deck of the week? Okay, so this week I'm picking a, a list from Arceus Dota. 
I hope I pronounced that right. Um, it looks right. So this is uh, from a league. Uh, it, it just got posted in the last deck dump. Or, yeah. And it is Blue Black Wurza. So the list, quick rundown. Four Emery, four Urza, three Narset, four Fatal Push, three Force of Negation, two Warrior of Invention, two Echo of Aeons, two Engineered Explosives, four Mistress Bobble, two Moxie Amber, one Aether Spellbomb, one Nile Spellbomb, one Pithing Needle, two Sword of the Meek, one Talisman of Dominance, three Thopter Foundry, 21 lands. Um, so I, I mean, we've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. I really like playing with Urza. It's a cool card. So, uh, I, like Urza and Emery are just—I don't know—they're very fun. Which I don't play with them like in Legacy for some reason. I really should, but I—I I do like playing with them in Modern when I get the chance. So I uh, saw this list, and it's just got a lot going on that I like. Um, so this this player has also been working on other deck lists that I like. Uh, we actually just chatted a bit yesterday, uh, which I will get to later. Um, but so this, this list, uh, looks to me like it could be pretty good. I haven't actually seen it in action yet, but, uh, just playing with Emery is really strong. I like having, uh, the fatal pushes seem really good to me right now. Cause there's been a lot of prowess popping up. Uh, there's also been an increase in combo decks lately. So having force negation as like a hard counter spell that you basically always have access to is really nice. Uh, in other versions of Wurza, I've seen counterspells, but it's usually not force negation. So I think just being able to tap out and be proactive is like kind of nice. Uh, but one of the things I really like about this list is I've never actually seen the Narset Echo of Aeons combo in Modern. Uh, it's kind of hard for you to get Echo into your graveyard now since like Fatal, or not Fatal Push, since Faithless Looting no longer exists. But Emery is like, a neat way to actually put it into your graveyard without casting it or jumping through hoops. And obviously getting the flashback echo of Vance with an R set out is insane. Yeah, something from the land base too. If, if there was a one copy of the Gyre Reach Sanitarium. So that is another way to get the echo into your graveyard too, if you happen to draw it. Yeah, I um I kind of just overlooked that card, I'll be honest. I feel like whenever I see that card, I'm just always so underwhelmed by it in action. Everyone always tells me it's good, and I'm just always underwhelmed by it. So I just, like, don't even pay attention to it, I think, which is a terrible thing to say. Uh, it also works kind of well because you can discard your Sword of the Meek. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a decent amount of, like, virtual card advantage there. And, like, this deck is playing four uh, copies of Emory, four copies of um, Urza, so, like... You know, it's like discard the duplicates there if you need to. I think that's not. I, I think that's definitely some value in a deck like this. Yeah. So I. I mean, I'm definitely going to try this deck out probably tomorrow. Uh, it looks pretty good to me. Yeah, for sure. Uh, they. They also played it in a in the challenge this weekend. Came in 23rd, which is, you know, perfectly fine. So. Putting up some results with it looks fun. I might talk to them a, a bit about it first. I don't know. But definitely curious. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, too. I, I feel like we haven't seen War of Invention in such a long time, like, since we saw those, um, you know, ensnaring bridge, um, you know, I was going to say Spectral Lighthouse. That's not what that card's called. Um, but those, you know, blue-black ensnaring bridge um, lock decks. So it's interesting to see, uh, you know, War of Invention showing up. And I guess it's not grabbing anything super 
absurd, right? It's just grabbing your Sword of the Meek Doctor Foundry combo. I mean, that's pretty absurd if you have an Urza out because you just go infinite. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I will say, uh, I'm not looking forward to clicking through all of that. I've played that combo on Moto before, and I am very slow at executing it. Yeah, it does not feel like a fast combo. Well, very cool. This is a, definitely a neat deck. Definitely up your alley. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited to see this. I, I've been working a lot on Urza strategies lately, so this, this one looks pretty clean to me. Cool. Okay, so uh, what deck do you want to talk about for Legacy? All right, well, this is actually... Somebody I talked about before, uh, True Hero. Um, this actually went 7-0 in a Legacy Challenge um, recently. So this is a like a bug Death Shadow list. And True Hero, basically, I think, only plays Death Shadow decks. Um, but I, I, once again, they, they innovate on these decks so much, it's really cool to see what their latest version of it is. Um, this one's actually playing um, Jolriel Monsuvi Recluse, right? And this was a card from uh, Magic 20, uh, 2021. They got a lot of hype initially, right? This is that... Um, one on a green for a 1-2. Whenever you draw your second card with uh, each turn, create a 2-2 two, two green cat creature token. And then for 6 mana, until it turns creatures you control have base power and toughness XX, where X is the number of cards in your hand. Like, this was a card that was getting a lot of hype as being, you know, definitely legacy playable. Um, and, you know, hasn't really landed, I think, where most people expected. So, uh, but in this deck, you, you obviously have your copies of, you know, Brainstorm and Ponder and Preordain. So, um... Ponder and Preordain at least sets you up to draw a second card in your turn. Brainstorm works really, really well to draw your, you know, second card on opponent opponent's turns, things like that. And you could always string together something like, you know, multiple street threats if you really needed to or, or whatnot in order to try to draw cards on your opponent's turn too. But I, I think that's a, a kind of a rough way to do it. Um, but even something like Sylvan Library works really well with Joriel. Um, so I think it's a lot of interesting interactions with that card here. Um, but I mean, besides that, you still have copies of like a copy of Tassiger and Ethereal Forager. So some other sorts of card advantage there. Uh, Bug allows you to play Oko Thief of Crowns too, which is obviously always good. Um, but also... You're telling me Oko is a good magic card? I mean, you heard it here first. Oko is a good magic card. I don't think I would have realized that. That's Most people catch. haven't yet. You know, it's really shocking. You, you figure that people who play magic would figure out how good this card is, but you know, it's, it's a card that's really flown under the radar. Um, I've also got some news. Earl is actually a pretty good card in this format too, but people haven't, people aren't ready for that talk yet. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, Oko is a pretty solid addition to this deck. Uh, and also Thoughtseize, I think is actually really nice too. And you know, I, I do feel like there is a lot of room for these, um, combat decks to be successful. So having a deck where you're playing four copies of, Thoughtseize along with four copies of Force of Will, I think, is actually a pretty solid place to be. You know what's weird to me about this list that I just noticed? What? No copies of Force of Negation. No, not one. I don't know when the last time I saw a blue deck without, like, at least a single copy of Force of Negation was. Excluding, like, the Urza decks. But I, I think you get a little bit more leeway because you're playing the Thoughtseize. Like, I think if you're not playing Thoughtseize, you, you kind of have to play fourth of negation. Um, and obviously, they they work in different spots, right? Like, if you're... 
Um, you obviously need mana. You, you can't thoughtsy at the top of their deck, things like that. But it's at least putting them in a spot along with the you know the four dazes too that you have enough interaction in your opponent's turn that you can afford to play something that's a little uh, more I guess, proactive on your turn. Yeah, and I mean, it also just makes sense with the dash shadow. It's, it's just, you know, something I noticed. I'm just so used to seeing, you know, somewhere between one and three copies of that card. Yeah, for, uh, for sure. Yeah, it's been it's been all over the place. Um, I think that one thing I thought was interesting was the fact that they're playing, like, one copy of Abrupt Decay, one copy of Fatal Push in the main deck. Um, yeah, I, I just feel like you would want two of one or two of the other. The the one one split I think is interesting. Um, like I, I don't think there's enough Chalice of the Void to, you know, say you definitely need abrupt decay. Um, and I, I think like Delver is weak to both Fatal Push and Abrupt Decay. Obviously, uh, Fatal Push is kind of rough when it gets countered, but fa- Abrupt Decay always is going to resolve. So I I, I don't know. I thought, the, I thought the split there was was interesting. Now, when Fatal Push came out, I remember thinking that card was going to see way more play than it did. It's kind of interesting to me how little play it actually sees. Yeah, I mean, and I could be wrong too, but I, in my mind, like it sees about the same amount of play as like something like Dismember. Um, you know, in this deck, you know, he's playing two copies of Snuff Out, which I, I think Fatal Push is just straight up a better card, but... You know, Snuff Out still is getting that nod. I guess this is a Death Shadow deck, so it's a little different here. Um, but no, yeah, I think I agree with you. Fatal Push, I thought, definitely was going to be an all-star. And it, it was obviously an all-star in um, Standard. And, that you know, we obviously see it in in Modern now, too. But eh, not not nearly as big as they thought, as one would think in in this format. Yeah, I still really like that card, though. Oh yeah, solid. I mean, like I think if there were more t- like Tarmogoyf running around, I think we would see it much more. I just think obviously Tarmogoyf is not as um, big game as it what once was. Now, if you're talking about like something like um, Rug Delver, right? They're playing the Hooting Mandrill, which is not going to get fatal pushed. So I just think that maybe the format kind of juked around it, whether intentionally or not intentionally. Yeah, plus. Plus, I think just having a practicated deal with the three mana walkers is huge. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, you definitely need to deal with, um, you know, your Okos and um, things like that, you know, sooner than later. Yeah, two, turn, two turns with Oko is definitely much different than one turn with Oko. Cool. All right. Well, I, I think this deck is really sweet, though. It's definitely something I would try. I always like True Here. I think they're really cool stream if you ever get to check them out. They do stream kind of random hours just because they're um i believe in italy so i mean the hours aren't random it's just early (laughs) yes you are correct they are indeed not random they are quite not random but for for us in the in the u.s on the east coast it's a it's a bit rough sometimes all right well we have a new set coming out so we have called heim uh, coming out, I guess it comes out this week, doesn't it? Yep. So it'll be a uh, live one moto very shortly after this episode is out and probably before people have started listening to this. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. So, um, just kind of going through, um, 
some of the cards. Are there anything, any cards from this that you were interested in? Anything that um, yeah, piques your interest? Um, I mean, <laughs> you know how I feel about new cards. Yeah, yeah, not a not a big <laughs> fan. Not a big fan of the spoilers. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, did the same thing we did for the last set. Picked out, you know, the two cards I'm interested in Legacy. Two cards I'm interested in for Modern. All right, so Sarah. so go ahead. What's what's something you're interested in uh, from for Legacy? Okay, for Legacy, a card that I think might see play. Well, I almost guarantee it'll see play. I don't necessarily think it'll stick around, uh, but you know, people have talked about it a lot. Is Flocky God of Lies? So for anyone who might not have seen it, uh, Flocky God of Lies is. Uh, two mana black god, so it costs one and a black. It's a uh, two one. When it enters, each opponent reveals their hand. Uh, for each opponent, you exile a creature card from their. Sorry, I cannot read. Apparently, <laughs> for each opponent, you exile a creature card. Like they reveal this way until Valky leaves the battlefield, and then you can pay X and choose a creature exiled with it, and it becomes. Choose a creature with X converted mana. I am struggling to read this card. <laughs> choose a creature with uh, choose a creature card exiled with Valky with converted mana cost X. Valky becomes a copy of that card. Thank you, thank you for the assist. No problem. Because I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> uh, but anyways, uh, I don't I don't even care about the front side of this card that much. The back card, the back side of this card is where it's at. Um, so on the back. It's seven mana, five generic, black, red, uh, and it's a legendary Planeswalker Tibble. And when he enters the battlefield, you get an emblem with, you may play cards exiled with Tibble, Cosmic Imposter, and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast these spells. Comes in with starting loyalty of five. So it gains two loyalty for exile the top card of each player's library, minus three to exile target artifact or creature, and minus eight to exile all cards from all graveyards, and you add three red mana. So uh, this card, I mean, it is good on both sides. Uh, one of the cool things about this card, uh, I guess it's not as important for for Legacy as other formats, is it scales really well, because like you have a card that's good early, and then a card that's good late, which is kind of nice. Mm -hmm. Like if you're actually playing this in a black red deck, if you are flooding out super hard, then it's nice that uh, it comes up like that. But uh, early the card is just like really flexible, but the, the place that I'm really interested in something like this is with the cascade spells, because if you play something like Shardless Agent and you cascade into this, you can play the backside for free. Yeah, which, which is an interesting thing because I'm so used to, um, I'm wondering this is more of a um, standard slash uh, historic thing, but with something like Uro, right, when you um, attack, you get to put in a land, but you can only play the front side. So it's I guess it's really cool, actually, that you get to play either side when you cascade into it. Not, not terribly intuitive, but it makes sense when you kind of break it down a little bit more. Yeah, so... I um I will say for seven banner this is not the best planeswalker you can get, but for three banner it's uh, it's pretty good. Mm -hmm. It's still probably not better than Oko, but well, that's a different conversation. But speaking of Oko though, I actually like where Valky kind of matches up 
um, when you compare it to Oko, right? It's a two-drop that exiles um, creatures from your opponent's hand, right? So you can actually exile their Uro. If you want to, you can pay the three mana for Uro uh, to, I guess, make your Valky into Uro and then to get to attack and get that advantage. Um, and I think being able to exile an Uro itself is actually just a pretty decent advantage, especially in the main deck. Uh, but being able to kind of turn that disadvantage of, you know, I, I think the ability, the X ability is, is generally going to be pretty weak. Um, but being able to kind of benefit off that, of your opponent having good cards that you want like to attack with anyways, um, makes this actually a little bit more feasible in my mind. Yeah, no, I... I do think the card is good on both sides. Like there, there's a lot of creatures you might want to hit. Also, like just playing it. Like if you're on the plane, if you know, if they don't have an don't have an arrow in hand, but like let's say you hit a dreadhorde arcanist, yeah, like that's also just really good. Absolutely. Yeah, and like yeah, I mean, and the one thing I think this format is kind of defined by really powerful spells. Like you know, arrow would be great. Arcanist would be great. Mentor would be great. Hull Breacher would not be the worst thing in the world. Um, like, I'm, I'm pretty happy hitting basically any legacy playable creature. I, th I think Hooting Mandrill would be the one I'd be the most disappointed with, just because I don't necessarily want to pay six mana for it. Yeah, that that would be pretty sad, actually. Mm -hmm. um, but do you think the... Do you think the backside, uh, well, I guess, you know, Tybalt, Cosmic Imposter, do you think that's a playable card at seven mana at seven mana no but at three mana where uh, you also get a free two two i think it's pretty good um yeah. and i mean like if somebody casts this for a seven mana like i don't think it would be the worst thing in the world but i just like that's really slow mm -hmm. uh it's it's nice that like it comes in and it's plus is essentially like plus two to draw a card like that's actually super powerful yeah but, like, also it coming in and just, like, immediately, like, permanently dealing with uh, with an Uro is, like, kind of insane. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, the, the I think it's because of the Valky on the front side and the Tybalt on the back side. I thought initially when I read Tybalt that it, you could only cast creatures with it because Valky only exiles creatures um, from their hand. Uh, but Tybalt actually can play any card, right? So the you know, exile target artifact actually seems a little more... Um, reasonable. Um, same thing with the um, the plus ability because I was like, well, you could, I guess you get to like hit a land that's kind of lame, uh, or hit like you know whatever spell. But like you can actually play the lands off of off of Tipple. Like it actually, like you said, it is always a cantrip at least. Um, because even if Tibble dies immediately, right? They they go and um, va Vampire Hex Mage your Tibble as soon as it comes down. You still at least get those cards because of the emblem that that it uh, leaves behind. So that's really neat. Also, I know this isn't something we typically talk about, hmm. but I think this card just has really cool flavor. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's that's definitely true. Yeah, it's a deceiver on the front side, and he's on the back side. He's like, ha-ha, it's me all along. Like, that's, that's delightful. Yeah. And I don't know if you've seen the alternate art for this card. Um, I don't think so. Alternate art is actually really sick. Ooh, okay. So anybody who is listening at home, I would... Uh, if you haven't seen it, I would take a, a look at. I don't. I don't know what they're calling the premium cards in this set, but uh, it it's really cool. On the front side, there's like this hooded figure, and you like can't quite see who it is. 
Uh, and then he like lifts up the hood and it's like, haha, it's me, it's Tybalt. So I don't know. It's just, it, it's really well drawn. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. The front side actually, he, he looks like the Joker from what you can see because his face is like kind of gray. Yeah, I can see. Yeah, Joker for sure. Definitely Joker vibes. And I think the purple hands also helps. And that, that coat looks so comfortable. All right. Well, well, have you seen the? I believe it's called the Realm Waker, Realm Walker. Yes, I have. <laughs> okay, this is a card I think is really interesting. And I, once again, this is not a, in the stream of deck that I would normally play. Um, but I think Realm Walker, in my mind at least, I feel like has to be pretty decent in like an elf deck, right? It's a. If you haven't seen this card, it's two and a green for a shapeshifter. So it's a 2-3 um, with Changeling, obviously. So it's all creature types. Um, as Realm Waker enters the battlefield, choose a creature type. You may look at the top card of your library at any time. You may cast creature spells of the chosen type from the top of your library. So what I'm imagining, I'm sure this is every elf player's dream at this point, is that you're playing, you play your... Um, yeah, you play your. I was say, my brain was about to say Eldamri's Call, so I'm so used to modern. Um, but you play your Glimpse of Nature, you cast that Realm Walker, and then you just start going off, right? You have no cards in hand, but Realm Walker is just hitting every spell for you. Um, I, I think this has to be at least decent in that deck, right? Like, I think one of the issues with a Glimpse, you know, not that there's really a downside to Glimpse of Nature, um, but you eventually, you know, draw a couple lands, and you know, you can't really do anything. This seems to just be, like, all the gas you need, at least. Um, you know, best-case scenario, the creature's on top, and you cast the next one. And worst-case scenario, you draw a card that is a land, and then the next card is an elf. So it, it kind of puts you in a position where I, I think you can just keep going off a little more consistently with this. Yeah, I, I could definitely see something like this in uh, the Chaos Elves build. Okay. For those who aren't familiar, Chaos Elves is just when they drop the Natural Order package. And they choose to be a little bit grindier. But yeah, this, it does seem like this would be able to turn through the deck. Uh, this card actually reminds me of Conspicuous Snoop a lot. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I know that, I know that card didn't find a home in Goblins, but, you know, Elves generates more mana, so it would be able to better actually utilize that kind of an effect. Hmm. Well, it, it even, I you know I, I'm kind of thinking about this in terms of, um, legacy, but you know maybe this actually is enough to maybe help out elves in modern too, right? Because um, Snoop actually is obviously a huge player in the modern goblins deck, so maybe something like this is would work out. Obviously, you don't get to do the crazy uh, glimpse of nature um, stuff, but you still at least have access to um, nettle sentinel and. Um, the, I can't remember what it's called. Heritage Druid? Heritage Druid, yeah. So maybe this is enough to kind of push that deck into, you know, at least tier 1.5. Maybe. And I mean, if they really wanted that draw effect, they could always play uh, Back and Call. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and you know, you've only talked about this with Hells, but got to keep in mind, you can play it with any creature type. Uh, so, like, the one I'm excited for is I want to see people playing this with kobolds and Legacy. 
Oh, just draw a bunch of Cobalt to draw your deck? Yeah, it's just like the old Cheerios films. Yeah. Just keep chaining your zero drops and then eventually do something. I mean, would you be interested in maybe um, pairing this up and like putting in like slivers? Uh, I kind of hate slivers on principle, so <laughs> I, mean, I, do too. I would not. But I wouldn't be shocked to see uh, Daniel Noon's like playing lists in their deck. Yeah, because I think for I think that's a good thing. Do not get me wrong here, but I think sliver is one of the things that they're really just going off the top of their deck, right? They don't have a lot of sources of card advantage, so I think this might be a good way of getting them. Um, some virtual card advantage. Well, I guess literal yeah. card advantage in this situation. Yeah, I can see this in Slivers, or like uh, Tropical Merfolk in Modern. I can oh, see yeah. playing this. You can see that. Yeah, I think I think this, this card's going to have a decent, decent amount of application, just to, at least it's something different. And I, I think the design of it's really cool, because it does remind me of um, just a lot of different green effects that we've seen um and obviously like i think vizier of the menagerie is a, is the one that they try to compare it to um on uh mythic spoiler right but um it just it just seems like a place they haven't really tried to go too hard on right i, I think um vizier was is fine obviously um you still i mean once again if you haven't remember vizier of the menagerie that was from amonkhet um and you got to look at the top card of your library. Um, you could cast it if it was a creature card, uh, but you, you could spell, spend mana of any of any color of any type, whatever. Um, use any kind of color to cast it. Um, so this is very similar, and I guess in a lot of ways it's probably a little underpowered. Um, but I think being three mana is such a huge advantage over it being four mana that I think it's probably um, you know worth talking about. Yeah, that I mean that is a big difference. And there's like the fact that you can actually hit this with Collective Company. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that's, that's huge. So yeah, I'm I'm interested in this. This this sounds really cool. Okay, so uh, I guess it's my turn to come up with another Legacy card. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm going to talk about. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce this. Redain, I guess. God oh, yeah. of the Worthy. Yeah, for sure, Redain. Um, so Redain is one of the white gods. It's a uh, two and a white, uh, and it's a two, three flying vigilance. Snow lands your opponent's control enter the battlefield tap. Non-creature spells your opponent's cast with converted mana cost four or greater, costs two more to cast. On the backside, uh, it's called Valkmira Protector Shield, and it costs four mana. If a source and opponent controls would deal damage to you or a permanent you control, prevent one of that damage. And whenever you or another permanent you control becomes a target of a spell or ability and opponent controls, counter that spell or ability unless this controller pays one. So this card um, is kind of cool. I could see this finding a home in like a death and taxes shell, but basically, uh, in case you somehow missed it lately, a yeah, Snowlands are basically everywhere in oh Legacy. Oh my gosh, so annoying. <laughs> and have been since Arkham's Astrolabe has, was printed. And sometimes even before then people played them, but Snowlands are everywhere, and there's basically been no downside to playing them. It's basically been a straight upside. It, it's actually been, you know, 
pretty annoying is if if you play if you play Legacy, you probably realize how annoying it's been. Hmm. So this is not like this is not the devastating hate piece that people uh, were kind of hoping for. I don't think, but you know, just having lands come into play tapped is still pretty pretty brutal. Uh, it's interesting that it actually like hits basics. I feel like most land hate really just hits uh hits the non-basics uh, and especially if you're playing this in like a death and taxes style shell it's interesting like it kind of incentivizes people to fetch for their duels but then you just kind of have your wastelands at the ready mm-hmm. um, and then also hitting like the non-creature spells is like kind of insane like hitting uh making a force of will no longer free is the thing that comes to mind or making like force of negation not Although this is, you know, likely going to be played in a creature-heavy attack. So hitting Force of Negation, I guess, isn't that big. But, like, hitting Force of Will, hitting removal spells seems really big. Like, making their Lightning Bolt cost three mana. Well, it, it's not creature spells um, with converted mana cost four. Oh, right. Mana. Forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, so, it wouldn't so you hit... can ignore the Force of Negation and Lightning Bolt. But it yeah. does hit Force of Will. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's Force of Will. It's, like, Snuff Out. Right, like a lot of these cards that we traditionally have as, you know, being low cost, right? Because they were paying for this alternate cost. Um, even something like, um, ad nauseum, right? If you're talking about the ant deck, being able to hit ad nauseum and tendrils, uh, adds a lot of extra mana that the deck needs to generate. So there are a lot of huge advantages to that yeah. that bit of text. It's terminus. Oh my gosh, yeah. I uh, I do wish that it said three or more. Well, I really just wish it was anything. Just super <laughs> Thalia. Yeah, for sure. That'd be that'd be really nice. Uh, the backside is not great, but also has like some advantages. I mean, one of the one of the things that's nice about these is just like you know, if you draw multiple copies of your legendary, then you can still like kind of cast it. So it's nice. It's nice just having that in general, but it um. Notably, it'll like affect walking blisters a lot. Mm-hmm. So having their walking blister not actually able to damage you is really nice. Uh, it kind mm-hmm. of reduces the effectiveness of something like a tendrils of agony. Mm-hmm. Uh, completely stops grape shot. Yeah, true. Grape shot's a big one for me. And you know, four mana is a lot, and that should not be your primary plan against something like ant or. Or a walking ballista, but it's it's nice that it's there. Mm-hmm. I mean, even in I guess in Legacy too, and and I guess literally any format, right? It, it still hits things like Valakit, right? It, you know, taking that from three to two, I think is huge. Um, it also uh, puts a damper on zombie tokens if they're going to try to attack you from there. Like that's cutting your clock in, or they're cutting their clock in half. Um, so there are definitely some other other fringe benefits there when you start looking at um, these kinds of decks. And once again, going back to the Storm deck, right, if they decide to try to kill you with uh, Goblin Tokens, like, well, good luck. <laughs> I feel like there's just so much that goes wrong when somebody casts Empty the Warrens. <laughs> yes. That, like, the number of cool. times I've had my opponent just, like, go off for, like, five minutes be like, Empty for, like, 30. What are you going to do? And I'm just like, Engineered Explosives. Yeah. Kill all your goblins. Like, move um, on with my life. It's like, yep, scatter shot. There we go. They were moving on. Yeah, okay. Practice charm you. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> so good. 
Yeah. I definitely think the back the backside. And like once again, you're right, it's definitely not the effect I always want. But like that's not a bad extra effect to have. Like if, if you're t- talking about um Redana in a lot of situations, like I think Redana itself as a you know, two three five for three mana is not the worst floor. Um obviously the Snowlands is nice and that um you know taxing ability is nice, but like just having the extra ability of being like, you know what, if you want to pay one more, I'll give you this random shield. And, you know, I guess the 1 out of 10 games or 1 out of 10 matches where it actually becomes relevant, like, it's still worth it. Also, yeah. I just want to point out this card also has very nice art. Oh my gosh, yeah, the art, yeah, we didn't say that about um, the Realm Walker either, but like that one, that's um, Zach Stella too, and I love, I love his art. So this one's uh, Jason Rainville, who does fantastic work too. They really stepped up the art. I mean, not that they really stepped up the art game. I think Magic always has beautiful art, but um, this one really is a really, really pretty set. Yeah, it's really cool. I, part of me wonders if it's just because, like, this is uh, based off of something that people kind of have, like, an understanding of. Mm-hmm. Like, I wonder if it just, like, resonates differently with us because it's a little bit old but also a little bit new at the same time or mm-hmm. if the art is actually just better like objectively yeah welcome to Thorthoth uh, Vorthoth chat where we talk about the, the the art of magic the gathering and the lore now I you're I think you're right though I, I actually do think because even like you know Valkmira is you know I don't know what Valkmira obviously is supposed to be but it does remind me a lot of uh, you know Mjolnir for example, like it does have some clear par- parallels for us. Um, the so going back to Redain real quick, um, I actually do really like the fact when we were compared to Thalia before, right? But this is actually just one sided because you can, if you really want to, you can cast your own creature, non creature spells, um, and they don't get taxed by this ability. So, like, and like you said, this also is three mana. So, like, if you want to, you can cast your collective company, yours still costs four, but theirs costs six now. like... Definitely some uh, some benefits there. Yeah, I, I'm definitely interested to see how much play this card will actually see. Interested to see if it'll uh, actually end up in death and taxes. I'm definitely going to try it out at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have an idea in mind, but uh, we'll see how it ends up on like the larger scale. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean... One thing I think vigilance is such a, such a huge ability in um, legacy. I just not that all games obviously come down to this, but I think if you can go like you know Aspirin into Redain, um, have a three four flying vigilance creature left on defense, like that that blocks Delvers all day, right? And that was one of the big benefits of playing um, Thera Avenger for a while is the fact that it, if you can get it out on. Um, on turn three through a vial, you just had this thing that nobody wanted to trade their Delvers with, but you were willing to um, attack with, and then you you know put some equipment on it. Now you're way ahead, so um, I, don't know, I, I am interested to see where this card lies up to. Yeah, playing Aspirin into this card does actually seem pretty sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like once I think once it gets out of lightning bolt range, and that's that's kind of you know the one of the jokes I guess with that. Uh, Thalia guarding at Thraven, right? Like, nobody wants to deal with the the 5-4 pro-red, pro-blue um, first striker, right, when it's a guardian of Thraven. Most people just concede after that, regardless of what's actually happening in the game. 
Um, like, I, I can't lightning bolt it, obviously. Like, I've, I can't bounce it. I'm just going to die to this thing. I never want to block it because of this first strike. Like, I'm just I'm just going to end this game. And, like, I think Redane, you know, attacking as a 3-4, a 4-5, a 5-6, a 6-7 is going to end the game pretty quickly. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what is your second card for Legacy? For Legacy, let me actually pull this one up. I think this one's interesting because this one's gotten a lot of hype. Um, the, it's the Mystic Reflection. I don't know if you've, if you've actually seen this card. Yeah, it's um, one in the blue for an instant. Uh, choose, nec- uh, choose target non-legendary creature. The next time one or more creatures or Planeswalkers enter the battlefield this turn, they enter as copies of the chosen card. Hath Fortell, which we haven't talked about yet. Um, Fortell is you can uh, pay two to remove it. Uh, exile from your hand face down. You can cast it for one blue on a later turn. Um, most of the foretell cards, and there's a, a you know a couple others in the set. It's a, a featured uh, mechanic in the set. So, um, but a lot of the foretell cards are sorceries. So you can cast them another turn, right? But like the quote unquote uh, next uh, future turn is your next turn, uh, or you know two turns down the road, depending on some of the cards. Um, but because of the way that foretell works, you just have to cast it on a future turn. So if you foretell it on your turn for two mana, you can uh, foretell it and you have to uh, actually cast it for one mana on your opponent's turn or, you know, keep it in the pocket for at a later point. Um, what I'm interested in, and this is the thing I'm, I'm still trying to kind of wrap my head around, is the fact that you get to just, like, whether your creature comes in or their creature comes in, you get to change it into something else. So, maybe it's... This is what I'm trying to figure out. Like, I'm imagining playing this card because it's, it's a blue instant. I want to play it with my sweet red cards, right? I want to play it with my young pyromancer, and I want to cast it with my, um, you know, Delver Secrets, potentially, and obviously um, I want to cast it with my Dreadhor Arcanist. So, like, if my opponent caps out and play something something massive. Uh, I'm talking like Gristlebrand, right? The next time that comes into play, I can have it instead come into play as a copy of a Delver of Secrets or a Young Pyromancer or an Elemental Token, which I think is insane. Or when my Gristle or when their Gristlebrand comes into play, I can then cast this. And the next time a token comes into play, I can make my token a copy of Gristlebrand. Like, that's a lot of, that's a lot of leveling. Like, I'm not sure exactly what, what the right play is there, but there's a lot of stuff that I think is that is interesting with this. Um, that I'll save you a lot of effort. Here. The right play is to counter the spell that's putting in Gristlebrand. Oh yeah, whether I mean, it's Show sure. and Tell, Gristlebrand itself, whatever. It just uh, don't oh. let that one resolve. Yeah, it's probably a good a good plan. Uh, but I, I've seen this card also, and once again, I, I don't think this is a big legacy play necessarily, but I've seen this in Modern where people are talking about playing this with, like, Master of Waves, um, and you, you know, you go Lord on two, Lord on three, um, and if you cast this with Master of Waves, you get, like, all, every time those tokens come into play, then you're getting more copies of your Masters of Waves, which makes, like, a crazy amount of power, um. I I don't know. It's just it's a lot of it's a lot to think about this card. Yeah, casting this with Master of Waves is kind of like 
the pipe dream. The the really cool one I've seen. Uh, this will not work in Legacy more often than not. I guess you could try it in a Nick Fit show. Is mm. um, Mister Perflection with uh, Avenger of Zendikar? Oh, that's the one I'm thinking about too. Yeah, that that has EDH written all over it. Uh, the the thing that I've seen mentioned with this card a lot too, because obviously this is the kind of thing that would come across me is um, you can make somebody's merit age enter as not merit age. Right. Yeah. So, I will be very displeased uh, the first time that happens to me, assuming it happens. Hmm. But like that's the thing too. Like, is this if I have the option to Mystic Reflection you, like. Why would I want to do that over like just bouncing it with like Brazen Bar or a Vapor Snag? Like that's what I'm kind of thinking. And the the only thing I can really think of is the fact that I can foretell this. Like the the fact that I can put this in exile and you can't make me discard it, I think is actually a, a huge benefit for me. Yeah, that part's kind of nice. Although I was actually thinking, like, how often are you planning to foretell this? Like, do you actually want to foretell this and basically tell your opponent like? hey, I have this card. Uh, I mean, it does mean that they then have to waste time searching for an answer or, you know, be ready to go off twice. Mm -hmm. But maybe that's worth it because it's protected. I'm not sure. Yeah, because I, I do feel like there's a, a decent amount of time if you, especially like in these decks, and I'm not sure how many foretell cards are actually, you know, legacy playable. So I'm not sure how... Pretty sure this is the only one that's potentially playable i guess I maybe the counterspell one I, I think there i think there's two other ones i think i think the counterspell and i think one of the cards we're probably going to talk about in modern i think are potentially playable um in legacy um and I, but i i think this is one of the ones that like is as long as you're talking about like a like a blue red delver deck you know blue red x whatever right i think this is the only one that you'd be likely to play. Like, I don't think they're playing the counter spell. I don't think they're playing the other spell. Um, so this is the one I'm thinking. I think, it, like you said, it, it kind of telegraphs what you're trying to do. And I think once, if people know what you're trying to do, it's a little easier to play around. Um, so I'm kind of interested to see where this one lies, uh, plays out. I think, one thing, I, I do think this going to be um, a hoot on the on the EDH tables, but yeah, I, I can't imagine many Gristle Brands or um, whole breachers or anything like that actually profitably getting turned into lesser creatures. Um, also, the thing is, and this is my other my kind of other kind of issue. Like, I don't want to play bad creatures to make my Mystic Reflection good. Like, I don't want to turn my opponent's Gristlebrand into a Dreadheart Arcanist. Like, that card's also scary. So, like, it, it kind of incentivizes you to to play or to I guess have creatures in your deck that you don't mind them having but like i'm playing my cards because i think they're really good so i don't want them to have those really good creatures like i think young pirates is one of the few cards that i think is reasonable to play this alongside and i really can't think of any other ones that fit that same bill yeah uh it is worth noting we've only really talked about turning creatures into things mm -hmm. this can also snag planeswalkers so there is an argument for turning a planeswalker just into something that's easier to manage yeah. Like, if an Oko comes in as an Arcanist, yes, Arcanist is really good, but Arcanist dies to Lightning Bolt. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's that's definitely worth it. That being said, I, you know, I've seen people talking about this card. I just don't really think it's going to do much. 
but it's possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, we want to talk about some cards we might see in modern then. Uh, sure. All right. What do you want to start? Okay. With? So, uh, well, let's uh, talk about the card that I think you were kind of hinting at. Uh, let's touch on Doomscar real quick. Yes, Doomscar. Okay. So first of all, Doomscar has a sweet name. Uh, second uh, of so all, that is sweet art. Art actually doesn't really do much for me. What? I'll be honest. I think um, this is going to sound dumb after just saying I the art doesn't do anything for me. I think a lot of it has to do with it being on a white frame. Uh, like, oh, I think sure. this art on, like, a playmat would be kind of sweet. Mm-hmm. But, like, just looking at this card, this card does not look aesthetically pleasing to me. Okay. But I think that is the, possibly the not the art's fault. No, yeah. Uh but anyways, so Doomscar is three white-white sorcery destroy all creatures. You might be thinking to yourself, that's a terrible Wrath of God. Um, but it's got Fortel uh, for one double white. So, I mean, it's still, if you're foretelling it, which is what I'm interested in, mm-hmm. still costs five mana. But it's a uh, support white that comes down on turn three, which is kind of neat. Um, so we already have a couple of these that exist like you could play dead of winter you could play uh anger of the gods or like sweltering suns but we don't have any three mana wrath effects in eight, as far as i'm aware the uh, closest thing is like you have terminus which you can get lucky and spike on turn three mm-hmm. but i think uh having something like this could be a step up for the blue white decks in modern it, it does have a lot of competition between Terminus and Supreme Verdict, but I think it might get there. Like, I don't expect this to become, like, an instant four of or anything, but I could say this as, like, maybe even just a sideboard option for, like, the really extremely aggressive decks. Yeah, no, I think... And how do you feel about this? Well, I, the, the two things I think is interesting about this card, um, when you think about it in terms of I guess modern and legacy, but I, I think for, the, for some reason this reminds me more of legacy, is the fact that the foretell cost is, is, is two and then plus three. So, like, it's if the, ability, the cost, the card already costs five, which is fine. Um, if you combine this something with, like, if you combine this card with something like um, Teferi, right? Three mana Teferi. Well, you're going to pay two for the foretell now, and then you can plus your Teferi and just cast the three next turn or the turn after right but now because it's a sorcery chase allows you to cast your sorceries um anytime you can cast an instant so you can just kind of float this wrath spell kind of whenever you want just like you would normally do or you could have done i guess uh with terminus so i think that's kind of interesting that um kind of play and, I, and obviously that's legal in modern as well right but I, I just don't see that happening in modern for some reason um playing around with um their fairy so, but it's obviously legal there too. Um, in modern, the thing I think that's interesting, um, and let me tell me if I'm wrong because I'm I'm not sure about how foretell works. Um, I think with uh, five minutes of fairy, so it's a fairy here or dominaria, right? You get to untap your two cards. Can you foretell as an instant, or is it only sorcery speed? I believe it is sorcery speed only. Okay. 
I'm not positive though. I would I would have to check. Yeah, I I really I don't want to give wrong information. No, that's fair. Um, But I think the one of the nice things is that you do have the ability to kind of use your mana a little more, not obviously profitably, right? But you could you know pay two mana, foretell it, plus your Teferi, and then untap those two cards, and you still have plenty of mana to play around on your on your following turns. Um, and I think one of the things, especially when you're getting into, I guess, approaching garbage time, as um, it's a affectionately called, um, you get to that point where it's like, I'm, I have no spells to cast. I'm just going to wait here until you do something, right? So this is another way to essentially have the effect ready to go, but not actually have a card in your hand, um, which I think is really nice, too. So. Uh, so I just checked really quick. You can foretell at instant speed. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so that's that's huge then. So then you can plus your Teferi on top of your two lands and then foretell during your turn still. And then you get to, um, you know, have the three, you know, plan to use three mana for a future turn. So I think that's really nice. Uh, The other thing that's, like, really nice about it, too, is, like, you know, we're talking about it being able to play it early or whatever. But on turn five, you can, like, if you have, you know, foretold it, I guess, earlier. (laughs) Yeah. you can cast it on like turn five, clear a board, and then still leave up like mana leak mm-hmm. or something like that. Because a lot of times what happens is you cast your wrath spell and then your opponent's just like, okay, well, and your turn cast collected company, like yeah. cap kill you. Um, and now you can kind of just say like, okay, all your creatures are gone. And like, I am, I am ready. Like you're not going to flash something in on my end step. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's definitely huge too. Also, and, like, I don't know if we, I don't know how, I guess this might be a little fringe, too, but, like, this is a five-mana spell still, right? Like, so, even if you do pay three, it's still it's five mana. Um, so, this does play pretty well against something like Spell Queller that's so used to being able to counter um, a four-mana spell, like something like Supreme Verdict, right? This is still five, so this is going to be killing that Spell Queller whether they like it or not. It's true. I love me some Spellcrawler. Yeah, that card's really dope. Um, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, super Drastically cool. underplayed card. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I think so. I mean, it's vintage playable. Like, why why not, Why aren't people playing it in modern? Come on. Yeah, or, or like, also it just, like, deals with Uro. Mm, yeah, that's true. Good style effect. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> back to Doomscar. <laughs> yeah. No, it's definitely... I mean, I think I've actually said everything I yeah, want to I, about this card. I, I think we're going to Doomscar then. <laughs> okay, so not back to Doomscar. No. Um, how about um, I can't pronounce this. Uh, Bergy, God of Storytelling. I think this card is actually really sweet too. Um, so if you haven't seen this, um, this is two and a red uh, for a legendary god. Um, whenever you cast a spell, add red. Until end of turn, you don't lose this mana as spells and phases end. Creatures you control can both twice during each of your turns rather than once. It's a 3-3. Three, three. Uh, the backside is Harnfell Horn of Bounty. Uh, it's 4 and a red. Uh, discard a card, exile the top two cards of your library. You may play those cards this turn. So this obviously has a lot going on, and I think in terms of modern play, I don't think we care about boasting. I, I think, I could be wrong about that, but I don't think boasting's going to be um, a big 
feature of modern after this is out. I think there is one boast, I think, that is actually you know, powerful, at least, that uh, the Demonic Tutor. Um, I forget what that card actually is called, but I, I'm not terribly interested in boasting. Um, I think the ability to cast a spell and get a red, I think, is super powerful, um, especially in a format we're talking about where you already have things like um, you know, all your rituals, I mean, like, Manamorphos, the Pyretic Ritual, and, um, you know, effects like that, I think, are, are really nice. Um, and there's also some, like, you know, I guess, I don't want to say weird, right, but some situations where you get effects that would normally cost you a decent amount of mana that, you know, if you had a red to them, actually aren't too bad. So something like Cathartic Reunion, right, like, you know, just you discard two cards and draw three cards for two mana not terrible but for if you if it only really cost you one mana that's not terrible if you end up um, using that to draw you a card like you know manamorphos that actually nets you a mana now so you know now you broke even on going um cathartic reunion into manamorphos and that essentially lets you see four more cards you know you add a couple rituals in there maybe a um past in flames now I, I think you're just up pretty big pretty quickly on these effects in red that like you um will let you go mana neutral um and there are there's another card too um which we haven't seen yet um but it's uh two in a red uh, i forget the name what the name of the card is i want to say it's like search for glory or search for treasure something like that um but it's two in a red um discard a card with an additional cost um you get to draw two cards and get a treasure like that's another effect too that you know essentially only cost you one red. Like, I think it's really easy to kind of storm off in a, just a mono-red Burgie deck. And this is, like, once again, before before you start talking about things like, you know, maybe if you want to add blue or something like that to add um, Goblin Electromancer or... Um, what's the other what's the other big one, obviously? Um, Brawl. Brawl, right? Like, I think, and, you know, not that it's either their fault, but when you cast your one-drops in the, in the storm deck, you don't net mana ever so this actually if you're talking about just replace or sliding this into storm this actually lets you um cast your you know your i'll say your ponder um <laughs> you get to cast your sleight of uh sleight of hand and actually you i guess transform your blue mana into red mana while still getting a card in your hand like that's that's reasonable yeah um also worth noting something like this card with uh, Runaway Steamkin seems very good. Ooh, yeah. I didn't think about that. It's another easy way to net some mana. Also, I just want to throw this out there. The way this card is worded uh, is a, a little bit weird to think about. Like, So you, you don't lose the mana as steps and phases in. Usually that would say uh, until end of turn or something. Mm -hmm. So you do get to keep that man around even on your opponent's turn, which might not be uh, the way somebody would think about this at first glance. Yeah, but it's, in, it's until end of turn, right? So No, it's not. Yes, it is. Oh, it does say until end of turn. Yeah. I, I totally missed that for some reason. Mm -hmm. Usually it says that at the end of the... <laughs> no, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess I'm trying to think just um, the way turns work. Because um, it is until in a turn, you don't lose this mana as steps and phases end. So you don't lose this during cleanup. So do you have this for... I guess you would essentially lose this during the untap, your opponent's untap step then. 
No, I think you do lose it during cleanup. What it says until end of turn. Okay, I wasn't sure just because the 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 wording's weird. Because if it's until end of turn, and that's a a cleanup step, you don't you wouldn't lose it during the cleanup step still. Because um, it's still during that sure. turn. You, you lose it. Okay. That's just a part of the part of what happens in that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't particularly matter. It's, you can't cast any anything during the untapped step anyway, so it, it barely matters whether you lose it on your turn or their turn. Um. And did did we talk about? We haven't even touched on the back side of this card yet. No, we haven't. I mean, that's the thing. Like the front side of it is actually, I think, so powerful that like the back side just seems to be like an extra an extra thing that gets to happen. But the back side, I think, is just as powerful. And they worked really well together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the the backside, I think we talked about this already, uh, four in a red, discard a card, exile the top two cards of your library, you may play those cards this turn. So I'm kind of just thinking, you you know, you're cycling through your deck, you get all these different things, and you eventually get to a point where you're like, okay, well, I have this three-mana card, and I have this four-mana card, and I don't really want to actually cast any of those. So... If you, I mean, once again, you can just discard these ex excess lands. Maybe you already played your land for the turn. Discard that land and exile your top two cards. And I, I'm so used to saying, you know, you get to cast one of the two of these cards. Right? You get to cast both of these. So if I discard my land and I end up getting a, a Mox Amber, right? Or I get something like a, um, you know, it could be like, just honestly, like a, a Memnite, right? I'm thinking of a zero mana spell to kind of pair with um, Bergy. Um, I get to convert that into more mana now. And, you know, casting a Mox Amber and casting a Memnite is going to net me three mana off those two cards and allow me to continue going. Um, and hopefully, you know, convert this into more resources. So I, I think Berkey and Hardenfeld, and I think it's one of the first, or I guess the only one that we've talked about so far, the ones where I'm happy to have the front side and the back side in play. Like, I think both of them are equally powerful. Yeah, no, this card is this card is sweet. Mm -hmm. I actually wonder too if this is. I mean, obviously this is a little a little out there, but you imagine sitting in something like um, ad nauseum, right? Where you end up, you know, you have your ad nauseum and you end up with all those cards you don't necessarily want. You end up with like four lands and you can't go anymore because you um, hit all of your ponders, right? You could. I mean, if you, I guess if you had the mana, you could just discard those cards and, um, you know, try to dig for your um, LEDs and, um, you know, Lotus Petals and things like that. I think that's interesting. I think that's a little too deep. <laughs> Maybe a little too deep. But, I mean, it's still... I think that effect does kind of open the door for some other kind of version of the Storm deck. Like, maybe it doesn't actually have to be... Um, yeah, maybe it still plays black, obviously, but maybe it's the version that doesn't depend on ad nauseum. Maybe there is a room for another five mana spell you cast in that deck. I mean, there is already the mono red storm deck, so I could very easily see this card slotting in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, super cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this one. I think this one has a lot of a lot of crazy potential. All right, we're on a roll. What, what else you got? What else do you want to talk about? Okay, so I actually like set aside a couple of cards that interested me for uh, for modern. So let's see which one do I want to talk about. Uh, let's talk about 
a fairly unassuming card after all that. Uh, Blood Sky Berserker. Okay. So, I think this is the first non-rare. <laughs> um, yep. This yep. Card <laughs> costs one and a black, and it is a human Berserker. It's a 1-1. One, one. So, you know, not very exciting on stats. Mm-hmm. But whenever you cast your second spell each turn, put two plus one plus one counters on Blood Sky Berserker. It gains menace until end of turn. So it doesn't sound like much, but uh, something that probably does not actually come through uh, on the podcast is I like to attack with things. Like I, <laughs> I, I do like just getting in there with a low to the ground aggressive deck, just mm-hmm. like murdering my opponent dead. Uh, Billy is also a big fan of aggro decks. More so in standard. Yeah, I like to beat uh, them. So I mean, it's just like good clean magic from time to time, mm-hmm. and I think uh, I think this card could be really effective in that kind of strategy. Um, I I can see this slotting into like easily like one of like the more aggressive builds like of the red black Loris decks, because uh, like your second spell could even just be something like a Mistress Bobble. Like you could very easily just play this. And then play Mistress Bobble, and then you just, you know, have a 3 3. And like the menace doesn't matter that turn because it doesn't have haste, but like you are already stacking it up. Um, and like notably, this card with Dreadhorde Arcanist seems like really sweet to me, where like you can just like play a spell, and it could even, you know, you might play like a lightning bolt uh, in your main phase, and then you like kill a creature. So now they only have one creature. And then you attack with like this in Arcanus, and then, you know, you're putting your two counters on it. It's up to at least a three-three, maybe a five-five already. It's got menace. You've like gotten rid of one of their blockers. Like I just see this card coming through for a lot of damage very easily. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the flexibility of this card too, because once again, I think when you see a two-drop, you're like, well, I'm gonna cast this on turn two. It's like, well, no, like you said, you can cast this on turn three then get your trigger off of your Arcanist, and that's um, your second spell there, and you can play a tap lane if you want to for your, your land for that turn. Um, you could also, and once again, it does say cast your second spell each turn, so if you really want to later in the game, you could, you know, you know, go, you know, Lightning Bolt, bolt Fatal Push at a turn, trigger my um, Blood Sky Berserker. Like, there, there's a lot of benefits to this, um, and I think that, it does work with your curve a lot, being uh, a little lower on the curve. I think it's easier to double spell on, on turn three or turn four. But I, I just see this card getting out of hand fairly quick. And I mean, you know, it's, it doesn't have some big flashy effect. It's not like doing anything cool, but it is just like murdering your opponent mm-hmm. at, I think, a pretty efficient rate. Yeah. Also, I like the flavor text. It's just who's next. Yeah, def- definitely a probably one of the best flavor texts in this set. The guy is just ready. Yeah, I think this card's sweet. I, I also think menace is probably a very underrated ability. Like, I think people don't understand how annoying menace is until it's like much too late, <laughs> much too late. Um, and this thing has a three-three. I think is one of those situations, especially early. Like it's like I have one creature I'm willing to give up, but I don't want to give up both my creatures. Like we'll just we'll just let that through. Um, but when you start dealing with like a five five or a seven seven with menace, now you know you're in trouble. So uh, you remember the red black hollow one deck 
in modern, like when that was a big thing. Oh uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I can't even think of the name of that card. It had uh, it had like the menace guy that got oh. that bigger. Like when you discarded cards. Yeah, yeah, the um, one two, right? I it's killing me that I can't think of the name of this card. This was a tier one deck, like <laughs> not even that long ago. No, yeah. Um, I mean, I guess it's I guess it's been like over a year now. Um, but anyways, like, I, I just remember that card, always forgetting that card had Menace and being like, oh, I'll just block it next turn. And then I'm just like getting hit for like five damage. I'm like, oh, I only have one creature, like not blocking it now or ever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Menace is, Menace can definitely be brutal. Yeah, it's definitely, it, and once again, it's one of those cards that, um, it's Flame Blade Adept. There we go. Okay. Yeah. Not for a million dollars would I ever remember that one. That famous Jackal Warrior. Um, but yeah, no, I, I definitely think it's... I think it's under... I think that's one of the cards that definitely went under the radar a little bit uh, for a lot of people because they're not looking for cards like that. Like, I think we look so much for these big, splashy cards. Like you said, this is the first non-rare we talked about. Um, and But this is like the only... This is the, the blue-collar one, right? This is the one that's punching in at nine, staying until five, and trying to see if it can get some overtime. Um, I think this one, in terms of, you know, how likely we are to see it, I think in standard, it's probably pretty high. I, I definitely think there's a critical mass of um, black and white cards that we can that we can deal with, especially since a lot of them are humans, which is convenient. Um, and, you know, maybe we'll see this in... Um, I think we'll, we might see this in Pioneer, too. Um, just because I do think it works out with well in that format when you have so many um, recursive creatures and one drops, so I think it'll be good there. But I mean, hopefully we see something like this in in modern. I think that'd be really sweet. Look, you're gonna see it because I'm gonna be playing it. Oh, so. of course, naturally. Oh man. Well, is there any chance we we'll, we'll see uh, the Pyre of Heroes? Uh. I don't think so, but why don't you talk about it anyways? All right. So Pyre of Heroes is two colorless mana for an artifact. Uh, pay two and tap. Sacrifice a creature. Search your library for a creature card that shares a creature type with the sacrificed creature and has a converted mana cost equal to one plus that creature's converted mana cost. Put that card onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. Activate this ability only any time you can cast a sorcery. So I think in a lot of ways people are comparing this or are calling this like the fixed birthing pod, right? This is very similar. I mean, the fact is almost exactly the same as we had before, um, where you're paying two mana. Um, however, obviously some differences. Um, birthing pod obviously costs three in a uh, Phyrexian hybrid um, or Phyrexian mana, Phyrexian green, I guess. Um, but the activation was one in a Phyrexian green um, as well as tap and sacrifice. So, you know, Paying one mana and two life is definitely different than casting two colorless mana. So the one thing I'm kind of that obviously makes the birthing pod a little bit better, a little more flexible, besides the lower activation cost, is the fact that birthing pod you didn't need to share a creature type, but for pyre of heroes you do. So now you kind of get into this this kind of weird sub game of okay, well what can I combo with my pyre of heroes? Do I want to be playing? Um, all the same creature type, like, do I want to stick and play, like, all elves or all humans or all, um, you know, all warriors, maybe, all clerics, um, or do I want to try to play some kind of weird mishmash where my human cleric can become a 
elf cleric, or it can become a human um, soldier, and then my human soldier can become either a uh, human warrior or a, um, you know, elf cleric. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's this game now of, like, how does my deck creature types kind of map out? Because not only do you have to share a creature type, but you also still need to go up the curve. So it's not like you can just, like, go from any human cleric into any other cleric. You need to go from a two-drop human cleric into a three-drop cleric or a three-drop human. So it's it's a lot of moving pieces here. Yeah, I think there's too much you have to figure out to get this card to really work. Uh, I like I definitely would not be stunned if I was proven wrong, but I think there's just too many requirements. I think it's a cool card, mm-hmm. but I don't see it doing anything. Like, it's hard for me to think that this card would be better than just playing, um, uh, like a Vanifar. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think. Like, so my big thing is, I think there are enough, enough things that, I think we're not thinking about that this has to be reasonable. Like, I think Construct is probably the big one. Um, and I know this is, you know, just thinking about um, KCI from before. Like, I imagine there's enough Constructs where it is possible to create some kind of weird, oddly growth chain uh, where you're, you know, going from... Uh, I actually can't think of what, what the card's called. Um, like, Mirror Retriever into something like Scrap Trawler... And Scrap Trawler allows you to get, you know, some some four drop construct of some kind, right? But like, you know, by sacrificing that, at least you get the Mirror Retriever back. Like, I do think there's something there. You know, maybe it involves something like Draw Scorpion too, which I know is not a you know very popular card at this point in time. Um, if you guys haven't actually seen Draw Scorpion, I'm gonna pull that up real quick. Because um, once again, it's not a very common card. Um, Draw Scorpion was a common from Mirrodin. Um, it is four mana. I'm trying to pull it up right now. Uh, but it's four mana, I believe, for a three one. Uh, whenever a Draw Scorpion or a artifact creature you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, you get to untap another um, artifact you control. Let's see, and I'm trying to recite this from memory at this point because my computer... No, that's right. I, I know Draw Scorpion very well. Okay. So, like, that... And once again, the, the downside there is that the creature type is Scorpion, right? So you can't go from um, that into um, into that. So, but, like, if you can end up with some battlefield that has the Draw Scorpion, I do think there's a deck there. I, I just don't know what it... I just don't know what it is. That, and that's kind of my issue. I, I think that's probably a lot of people's issues. It's it's how do I get that to be as good as I think it could be? And, like, what cards do I need to put around it? Like, I don't want to have to play something like a... Um, I know there is a, um, like, a four-drop that takes, makes all creatures all creature types, but, like, that seems bad. I don't want to do that. Um, and, like, I don't want to play something like Conspiracy. I don't want to play something like um, Xenograft. Like, I just want to play, like, normal-ish magic. Um, and just combo off. but I, And once again, you also have to pay two each time to activate it. So, like, there is that additional cost to, like, how am I finding two mana to keep activating this? Like, does this in, involve me casting something, like, 
you know, uh, uh, obviously can't be KCI because that's not legal anymore. Um, so I don't know. There, there, are, there are definitely some questions there. I, I, in my mind, at least, it has some combination of um, creatures like um, the Foundry Inspector, I think it would probably um, be crucial, or maybe it's um, Ethereum Sculptor. Um, I do think some, maybe something like yeah, training grounds potentially. Maybe maybe we have to make the pyre of heroes a creature. Um, you know, or maybe you play. You know, I, I don't know. I, I'm still kind of spitballing that idea, but I, I definitely think something something has to be there. But also, once you put the deck together, is this even a playable deck, or is there something I can take down an F and M with now? So there's definitely some some question marks for me. Yeah, no, I I think you have to work too hard, like. Even just listening to you talk about it, there's so <laughs> many hoops you have to jump through. Yeah. Oh man. All right. Do you have any other any other uh, cards you may be interested in? Uh, nah. I mean, we've done our we've done our two each. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The uh, I I don't want to I guess spend too much more time on it, but the the only other card I'm really interested in, and this is more for. Um, standard is the uh, I believe it's called In Search of Greatness. Uh, we don't talk about standard here, Billy. We don't. We we definitely don't. So we we won't get into it. But I I do think this card is also maybe potentially uh, breakable just in terms of even for modern right because you could cast it on two and maybe combine it with something like um, the uh, Omen of the Sea. Like I think there are some abilities where you could sequence that pretty well but i i that's another card i i'm thinking about but more more for standard or pioneer or something like that so we'll we'll save that for another time okay fine since you mentioned a card i will mention one more real quick okay uh eradicator valkyrie uh two black black angel berserker flying lifelink hexproof from planeswalkers and it's got boast uh for one in black so uh you can activate this ability only if uh this creature attacked this turn and only once each turn, but you pay one black sack a creature. Each opponent sacrifices a creature, a planeswalker. This card just has a lot of text on it. Mm-hmm. And all of those words are good. So, like, there's just no way that this card is bad. I don't know if it's actually good enough for modern. Um, I'm positive somebody will play it in modern, regardless of if it's good or not. Good enough or not. Yeah, uh, sure. I think it probably is. But I don't yeah. know. This- card just has a lot of text. <laughs> yeah, I think Hexproof from Planeswalkers also is, is interesting. I haven't, I haven't seen that, obviously. I don't think any card has Hexproof from Planeswalkers as far as I know. So um, it's, it's just interesting to see it show up here. Like My, my mind says it was intended to be protection against Oko, but obviously we never saw that come to fruition. Yeah, I don't know. But somebody's going to play this in, like, an Aristocrat Shell or Model Black Devotion or just the rock. I don't know where they're going to play it. Possibly in all three, but this card has too many words to not be played. Yeah. And also, I don't want to be that guy, but really cool art. I mean, I, I don't know. It needs to be said sometimes. Yeah. Um, okay, so now that we've gotten through that, Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to give a real quick shout out to uh, to bluestew.net. <laughs> I love this. Um, I don't know if you've seen this. I I have. I think it's 
I think it's really funny. Yeah, so like uh, a lot of the internet seems to be cracking up over this. So I just want to make sure to put it out there in case anybody hasn't seen it. Uh, it's just, it's a website. I can't remember the name of the person who came up with it. But the whole thing is just, um, uh, their name is Joey France. Um, basically, uh, people have been complaining a lot lately about legacy and how the blue decks are kind of just better than everything else. It doesn't really matter what you're doing as long as you're playing a three to five color blue based mid range deck. And, you know, if you have some combination of like Dreadhorde, Arcanist, Oko, Uro, like as long as you have like some Astrolabes to fix your mana and a good shell of blue cards, like the rest will work out. So it's a deckless generator and every deck will have four copies each of Brainstorm, Ponder, Force of Will, and I feel like I missed a card. Um, Brainstorm, Ponder, Force of Will. And no, and is it Astrolabe they all have for? Yeah, they definitely have Astrolabe. Yeah. And then the rest of the, the rest of it is kind of just random uh, (laughs) based off of the blue cards that are seeing play and the cards around them. So you'll get some combination of like Young Pyromancer, Delver of Secrets, Monastery Mentor, like Archmage's Charm, Abrupt Decay, Sword Splashers, blah, blah, blah. Uh, And you will end up with functional mana which to me is really impressive. Uh, Granted, I don't know anything about like programming or anything like that, but it seems to me like that probably was somewhat difficult to actually make a deck, make them all have functional mana. And I guess I can't really say they all have functional mana because I haven't tried them out, but like they look like they have functional mana. Yeah, the the one I'm looking at right now has like three copies of Uro, Hellbreacher, and Icefang Quaddle. To go along with their Gideon Alley of Zendikar, and they have a copy of Utopia Sprawl, um, and Carpet of Flowers, and they have two snow-covered forests in the deck, so I guess the Utopia Sprawl can be cast in this deck. Um, it's like, but I think it's, this is hilarious, like, I, I wonder how many people have actually played with these decks. Uh, I've seen a handful of people streaming them, um... <laughs> Maybe I will actually fire up the stream and do it myself. Yeah, I know it. at least one person lost playing for the 5-0 today with with theirs. Oh my gosh, uh, and so I mean, cool. some of the decks are definitely better than others. Like, I've hit the button a couple times. I've got some decks that I'm just like, okay, this is like two cards off <laughs> from something that's like actually good. And mm-hmm. then other times I see like one Delver of Secrets, <laughs> zero days. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, that's probably not great. Yeah, this one I just pulled up. I have um, my four gr- fourth Green Sun Zenith with my Dryad Arbor, my Questing Beast, my, my Tireless Tracker, my one Dreadhorde Arcanist, and I've got four copies of Fourth of Will with uh, four copies of Swords of Plowshare and Lightning Bolt. Like I don't know, I don't know if the deck is playable actually, but like the, I guess the Court of Cunning in the deck makes it a little bit more intriguing at least. Oh my gosh! So, yeah. Just uh, figured I'd mention this in case people want to check it out. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's really fun. It's really cool. Very neat. All right. Um, so we do have. Um, I, think, I think there's a PTQ this weekend, right? Uh yeah. There's a modern one on Saturday. Are you planning on playing in it? I am planning on playing in it. Very cool. Are you planning to play in it? 
Probably not. No, we've been we've been working the house basically every weekend, so I'm um, trying to get like the 16 hours of you know scraping and painting and screwing and you know whatever we can in the uh, house. I'm guessing that means you didn't get to play in any of the PTQs last weekend either, no. or last week. Yeah, I was really upset. I, I was hoping to play in the modern ones. That was free, you know, theoretically free for them. I just we we spent. Um, MLK in the house, and we spent uh, the Friday, since I got done with school, I just went straight back to the house, so I didn't get to play in the, either of those either, so, kind of disappointing, but, you know. Yeah, I forgot we... how late the one on Friday was, I actually, like, probably could have played in that, and I just, like, didn't account for the fact that it started in the evening. Yeah, it was, like, 5pm our time, it was really nice. I actually ended up watching, uh, I forget, um, a streamer made top 8, I think it was, um, uh, like Giggy, I think it was, uh, made top eight of that one. So I was watching them play the um, quarterfinals. Um, that one definitely went on a lot longer than I think I would have been comfortable playing, especially after a you know a full day of work. Yeah, I um, I didn't get to play in any of them either. I was planning to play in uh, the modern one on like Monday, I think it was, mm-hmm. uh, but I woke up and had a bit of a headache mm-hmm. and was like, okay, well. I was I was tempted. I part of me was like, I still kind of want to play, um, but I was like, I just I don't feel like I'm going to do well, so I'm just no. gonna not waste the play points or QPs or whatever. Like, mm. I definitely I definitely thought about it and felt bad not to, but I I think it was just better life EV to. I don't even remember what I did, but I I think I had a good day, so like good. I think it was probably better that I did that. Yeah. Um, and then I thought I was free for. For the legacy one, I had my days wrong, and it was actually the vintage one. Wow. And I don't really like vintage very much, mm-hmm. which feels awful to say after last week's episode. Um, but you know, it is what it is. So mm-hmm. I just was like, okay, well, I'm not doing this. So the only thing I got to play last weekend was um, I played a legacy challenge, and that went okay. I finished. Uh, I can't remember how many rounds it was. I think it was seven. I think I went five two. I came yeah. in like twelfth place awesome. because I cannot, for the life of me, top eight one of those things. Apparently, I think you have a lot of top sixteen though. Uh, yeah. So somebody actually put out. I I was thinking about this because somebody actually put out data for like, uh, they scroll they they took the information from every every challenge from last year. Okay. Looked at everyone like all the top thirty two statistics, mm-hmm. and. Um, figured out everybody's like win rate and then they like added the caveat like you know this doesn't account for weeks where like these players didn't hit top 32 Mm -hmm. um and i was thinking about it i was like i think i have one challenge like i don't get to play in that many challenges i've gotten to play in more lately but i think i only have like one challenge in the past year where i didn't top 32 Mm -hmm. uh so i've got so i i've been on the list like i think six or six times i think in modern uh and i am like looking at their information i'm like just below a 70 percent win rate which is like pretty good yeah. i've top 16 almost all of them but i'm always like i'm always uh like just short on breakers mm-hmm. so yeah i, I mean think... it's it's my fault I, I keep losing round one which is just like Ugh. not the way to do it no yeah if you lose round one you kind of have to win out from that point yeah this one was uh especially bad i um 
I was going to post about it on Twitter, but I felt like it was too long and complicated to explain. Um, when I play leagues, a lot of times, uh, if my dogs are, like, acting up, I'll just, like, concede the match and uh, go deal with my dogs because, like, you know, obviously they're my dogs and I love them and I want them to be happy. But, like, I just also don't want to waste my opponent's time, like, if I don't know how long it's going to take me to calm them down. Mm-hmm. And... I. Uh, and I'll be honest, if I'm like running low on play points, then I, I won't do it. Um, sure, yeah. But as, as long as my Moto account is like reasonable, I'm just like, I am not going to waste this person's time because I don't like what my time is wasted. Um, and I'm, I'm not saying other people should or should not do that. I'm just, that's what I do. Yeah. Uh, and my dog was like freaking out about something. So without thinking about it, I just like, conceded the match to go take care of my dogs and I was like, oh god that was a challenge that wasn't a league no oh i i had like the deterministic win because like i had full information from like a thoughtsies uh, uh-huh. and then then them revealing the counterbalance so it's like and granted there was still another game so like sure who knows how how game three would have gone um and you know the whole challenge would have been different from there because just because i won round one doesn't mean i continue to win my other matches like i might have then lost all my matches but it's just like i wonder what would have happened had i not been like an idiot just acted on impulse Mm -hmm. man that's a rough one these things happen yeah at the end of the day i had a good day you have to make my dog feel better so like you know it's a win oh man all right well uh if you were playing in the PT, well, you, I guess you're playing in the PTQ this weekend. So, what do you? What would you play? What's your What's your deck you would play? Okay, so going back to the deck of the week uh, that I picked, the blue back Urza deck. I am actually very interested in this deck. Um, so, I'm gonna. I like don't feel like I have enough time to really see if this deck is good enough, um, but. I'm going to take this through a year or two. And honestly, if it feels good enough, I might just play it on the spot. I think it looks like it's in a good spot. But that being said, I mentioned that this player has been working on other decks that I like. Uh, so they've been playing like uh, a teamer Urza deck. It's very reminiscent of the old builds. Um, and I've taken that through some links. That deck actually feels really good to me. So like I actually uh, set kind of a list to um to a friend of ours joe and he played it through league on stream and got back to me and was like i don't think the deck feels that good like i don't see what it's doing that like the four color omnath decks aren't doing better Hmm. uh but you know he still had a reasonable result and all my leagues have been going well i haven't gotten the number that i would like before an event like this um but almost all of my losses I've been able to like very easily point out like this is where I messed up like if I hadn't done this then this is how the game likely would have played out and I would have won um and a lot of a lot of my mistakes are just me not thinking things through so uh I am likely gonna play that deck I am not sure how a couple matchups go though I would like to uh I probably want to get some focus testing in if that's what I'm going to play this weekend. Okay. Uh, but I am leaning towards that. And if that doesn't, if I like decide I don't like the way it's positioned after all, I'm just going to play the green, white Heliod deck. I don't know if you've noticed, but like 
so many streamers are picking up that deck and saying like they think that deck is really good now mm-hmm. i feel like we got on that bandwagon early which is kind of nice to be fair, um, they probably listen, listen to the show and realize that we are ahead of the curve nine times out of ten. That's what I'm guessing. Yeah. The deck is really good. I mean, it, yeah. It's I nice mean, to see. Um, I mentioned uh, like a couple weeks ago that next time I played it, I would like cut the scavenging uses and play more Skyclave Apparitions. Mm-hmm. It's nice to see that the stack build is now just like three Skyclaves in the main deck. Yeah. Um, so, like, I don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that's because of us, but it, it does feel... It's like kind of validating that, like, you know, I feel like I got to that decision before most other people. Yeah. And for the record, I am saying it's because of us. Just I just to make sure that's clear. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I definitely think the deck is. People are kind of looked at it initially and were like, "Oh, it's a super combo deck that just gains infinite life." It's like, no, it is a deck that can get infinite life, or can kill you with ballista, or can just kill you, like. There's a lot more dimensions to it. I think people, now they understand that, like, the beatdown route is actually reasonable. And, like, there are reasons why some of these cards that seem kind of random are in the deck. I think people are finally coming around. It's more of it. I think it's an ego thing, though. I said the person who says people are playing this deck because of us. Um, but I think it's more of an ego thing where it's like, this is not a deck I would normally play. Um, so I guess it's just a, some stupid combo deck. Every time I play this deck, I always lose one of their stupid combos, so... Like if you t- if you shut off that one route to victory, they can't you know you can't win. Like and the number of people, and I'm sure you still come across this. The number of people who like mulligan down to like pithing needle, and then name it on, um, walking the list. I'm like, do you know what this deck does? No. Okay. Well, I'm gonna make my guys infinitely large and kill you. And they're like, oh man, I guess I should have named Spike Feeder. And then they name Spike Feeder the next time, and you're like, okay, well I'm gonna remove that with one of the best cards in the format. So good job though. And like they die to you know your your apparition. Like I, I think I don't think people understand how. Um, I guess we're not. I guess my brain is redundant. Um, how strong this resilient. deck? Resilient. Resilient. Thank you. Yeah, how resilient this deck actually is. Yeah, I mean that being said, if you have Pithing Needle, I I would bring it in. I'm not oh, like sure. going out of my way to find it. No, but I, I yeah I'm not gonna go out of my way to find it. I think whatever you name is wrong, like. Unless it's on the table, you know what I mean? Like, I think you can name um, Walking Ballista, I guess that's fine, but, like, you could also just name Heliod, and that's, I think that's better than naming Walking Ballista in the dark. Um, I also think that, you know, you could, I think naming Spike Feeder is, you know what I mean? Like, I I just think whatever you name, you're going to lose to something else, because, like, the, you don't need to activate Heliod to kill them with Spike Feeder. You don't need to name Spike Feeder to kill them with Walking Ballista, and you don't need to... Um, if you name Walking Ballista, you can still kill them with Spike Feeder. Like, regardless of which one of the three you name, the other ones can, can still kill you, any, any of the other two. So, like, who cares? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I, I, I think Heliod's obviously just always a good call. Um, I, I still think... And I'm, I could be wrong, too, but I, I do think, um, I guess, in spite of that, the... Uh, Red Black Death Shadow deck, I think, is still in a good spot. I, I still think having um, access to Thoughtseize and um, Scourge, I think, in this format is, is still a beating. So I, I, that's the other deck I think I would lean towards. Um, I just think that deck's still in a, a pretty good spot. And I think yeah, people... Yeah, I mean, is strong. Deck is strong, yeah. And I think people were going to Soulscar Mage um, in the deck. 
for a little bit, and I think because it was a little bit less uh, fragile. But I just think people kind of understood that Bomat Corlier is is just significantly better, right? Like it it helps turn on your um, scourge a little bit more effectively. Um, it does re up you on cards. Um, it goes under the radar too a lot of times, where people are saving their fatal pushes for. Um, Scourge and Death Shadow that you eventually get to the point where it's like, I'm going to pop this Bomat Courier and draw five cards. Do you guys mind? And it's like, I do kind of mind. You're like, yeah, it's too late. Um, and also, and this is, I think, an underrated synergy with the Bomat Courier because you have so many fetch lands in the deck. It's very easy to know what your five cards are. Like, it's, you could just, especially on Moto, like, I think if you're doing it in paper, it'll be a little harder because you might have to, like, sort your deck and I, you don't have the time for that. But on Moto, you can just very easily see that it's like, oh, I have a Death Shadow, a Monastery Swift Spear, a Fatal Push, an Inquisition, and a Bloodstained Mire under, underneath my Bomac Courier. This seems like a good time to crack this thing. Um, yeah, I'd never considered that. Oh, it's if it's massive. I mean, like that's the thing too. Like, there's a lot of times uh, when you're, you know, trying to make that that fatal, you know, the lethal attack. Um, if you know what's under there already, like if you know you have a. Um, like team or battle rage and a fatal push underneath there, then you can just like crack it and get you know kill their killer one blocker and then um, you know kill them with a TBR and then the game's over. Like that, it's so much extra information. Um, it's definitely worth it when you're when you're playing. I would you know definitely take the second, especially on once again on moto. Like it's it's an extra what thirty seconds. Like we spend five minutes gaining two hundred life with <laughs> with spike feeder. Like all things considered, thirty seconds isn't too bad. So I gotta say, if uh, if I end up playing the the Teamer or the deck, mm-hmm. I hope people play Bomat Courier so they can kill it with Run and Six. Uh, and if I end up playing the Blue Black version, I hope they play Soulscar Page because uh, that card is less scary. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I just I I don't know. I think as long as you're playing this version of the deck, I I don't really see the advantage of playing it. Like I. Of playing um, the Soulscar Mage, I think the Soulscar Mage is really nice when you're playing, um, you know, like the all the Phyrexian spells. But I think once you start taking the Phyrexian spells away, like I'd rather just get my card advantage. Like this, this deck really does just kill you in card advantage. Um, you know, even like pack like I think most of the decks are now packing the one Croxa uh, in the deck, um, and like usually another one on the sideboard. So like I think I'd rather just play the game where I'm going to out-resource my um, opponent throughout the game, potentially, but also I'm still the beatdown deck, so they need to respect that route, too. Um, I just think this deck plays both you know, both ways a little more effectively than a, than a lot of decks in the format right now, so I, I, that's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm leaning towards. <sighs> Man. I think we're done. I think we're good. Yep. Do you, do you have a story this week, or do you want me to to spit some spit some knowledge? <laughs> okay, so I don't have a story, but I did have something to say in mind. Yeah, please, go ahead. Um, so recently, uh, the website legitmtg.com uh, has come down, mm-hmm. and we do not think it's going to go back up. And I just want to give them a quick shout out. That was uh, the first place that. I believe both of us ever wrote an article for. Uh, actually, no, you had one somewhere else first, didn't you? Yeah, I used to write for Card Shark back in the day, so I actually know uh, like Chewy from the Mana Pool. 
Which actually, um, you met Chewie with. I know. I think you met Chewie with me the one time, right? At a GP uh, New Jersey. So. Okay, I could be wrong. I don't know. But yeah, but uh, they were, you know, the first place that I wrote for. Uh, Billy and I both wrote for them for a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they were always pretty kind to me. Uh, I assume they were kind to Billy. Uh, it was nice, like you know, as uh, they told us up front, like yeah we can't pay for the most but like we'll do what we can and like try to be fair and you know once i started having some results to my name they like upped their pay which was cool uh i will say i think um i think i definitely still had store credit with them which is kind of a feel bad oh, no. <laughs> i don't know what i'm supposed to do about that now i think the store uh, might be still up I, I, I think the wrong. store is still up, so I, I might be able to call them and spend it. Yeah, I, I mean, it's not like I have like piles and piles sitting there, but I'm pretty sure I had some that was just like chilling. Like, hey, you know, when uh, when a set's dropping and there's a card you want, you can like pre-order it. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I had talked about uh, starting to write articles again this year, so I was planning to go back to them. So not sure what my plan is now. If I want to try to find another site or just like, like make a Google Doc or something and just say, "Hey, like Twitter, here's this." Mm-hmm. Um, but I just wanted to give them a quick shout out. Uh, so thank you, Legit MTG, especially uh, Joshua Clater, the editor, uh, yeah. for giving us that opportunity. It was also cool because they let us write about whatever we wanted to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of places would not take legacy content, which is primarily what I focused on. So that was really nice. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was writing on um, doing a lot of standard and, and modern and stuff like that. But it, once again, it was it was just nice to have a, a place where you get, got to have a voice and you, um, you know, got to share some stuff. And, like, once again, there's a lot of, a lot of good writers who um, wrote for leg- Legit for a while. So, yeah. Um, you know, it's just really cool to at least you know we had a you know connection to like Magic from Zuby, uh, Magic with Zuby, who I obviously is doing his own stuff now. I think on Card Sphere, um, you know, but even people like uh, Drake Sasser, who I think now is on, um, was he's on Hipsters, right? Uh, Drake Sasser now. I'm not positive. No, but um, and like, and this is like nothing. Yeah, you know, obviously you still had. You know, people like um, my brain says, "What's his name?" I can't remember anybody's name anymore. I'm so old and so tired. Um, <laughs> um, this this is what happens after after the the full week of what what we're doing. I feel like I just start forgetting everybody's names. Um, but once again, there, there's just so many crazy people who have been you know really great writers who have worked for legit. So it, it's kind of cool to be you know part of that legit family. Um, you know, even if the, the you know, the writers, uh, you know, doesn't have any more, doesn't, we don't add any more people to the roster, I guess, lifetime. It, it's cool to at least have been a part of something that was, um, you know, kind of historic in a way. All right. Man, we, I think we've ended these things with bummers lately, but it was, <laughs> it was an important thing to shout out though. I don't know. I've, I mean... You could call that a bummer, but I don't know. I see it as kind of like a happy thing. Like, you know, they gave us their shot. Like, because like you could argue, you know, like that was, I mean, that was the first content creation I did. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, 
uh, if that hadn't been a good experience, maybe we wouldn't be doing the podcast right now. Yeah, true. You might have been like, hey, Matt, well, I, it's going to say you might have asked me and I could have said no. But uh, for anybody who doesn't know, I was actually never asked and still at this point have not actually agreed to do a podcast. Um, so <laughs> that's true. Yeah, just kinda... it just kind of <laughs> just kind of happens every week. Uh, Billy just started messaging me one day and was like, so what are we calling our podcast? Like, what time are we recording? What time is good for you? I really got no say. Yeah, I actually bullied you into this. That's very true. Um, yeah, I literally was like, I made I made a uh, email. You're like, why? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, what's your what was your favorite article you wrote for Legit? Um, I don't remember what it was called, but uh, the article that I was happiest with, which unfortunately I don't think I have a copy of because uh, my laptop has since died. Although I wrote a lot of my articles on. Google Docs because I didn't have Word, so I might have access to it. Um, but anyways, it was an article about uh, why it was a, it was about deck selection. Well, so two come to mind. One about like deck selection, and it was focusing on I how I think the best thing you can do in Magic is be aggressive, um, and that doesn't necessarily mean in the traditional way of like I'm gonna attack you until you're dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know people. And, like, I feel like a lot of grinders, especially, always like to just kind of sit back and be like, oh, I'm going to play this control role. Like, you know, I'm going to take things slow uh, and just kind of have control over the board state. And to me, I was like, I feel like the best thing you can do is just, like, put out your threats and, like, force people to react to you because uh, your answers aren't always going to line up. But, like, if you are just the one making threats, you are kind of dictating the pace of the game. And I feel like that gives you a level of control that your opponent doesn't have. So I want to rob my opponent of that agency and just like do what I can to make this game like play on the axis I wanted to and like go the way I wanted to. And I was uh, was really happy with that. And then I just wrote an article called, um, it was the last one I wrote for them. And I like stopped writing for a bit and I wrote one called like Magic is uh, the best game in the world, uh, which... I got, um, so that was actually the article, other than the one I wrote for a Channel Firewall, that was the one I got the most feedback on. Okay. Uh, and I actually had people who don't actually play Magic who read it and told me they really appreciated it. And it was just like uh, kind of my love letter for Magic and how much it means to me. I wrote that, oddly, not after I qualified for the Pro Tour, but after you qualified for the Pro Tour. Yeah. And, uh watching your reaction to it and thinking about it and like my, my reaction to like uh, when I got on, cause I was much more subdued. Um, but I am also, I would argue a more subdued person. Like uh, for people who know me, I don't show a lot of emotion in general. Um, so just like kind of processing the way, like I had reacted to it, the way you reacted to it and like what getting back on the pro tour uh, like would mean to me. So I was pretty happy with that one too. Yeah, yeah, I was. Like, I, I remember that. That was a good article. Um, yeah, I think mine. I think was. I think I did write an article after I got on the pro tour uh, called "Bring on the Cake," which is I think I want to say it's a Ryan David Marshall reference. Um, he had an article. Was, I'm pretty sure I'm remembering the right person. Um, he had an article where one of his friends in like the New York community um, would they would make it on the pro tour and they would buy the friend's cake. Um, and they would share it with the people who essentially got them on the tour. 
Um, and I, I think at the time, the timing didn't really work out that I could like, just like go find everybody and get cake. Like that's not, yeah. Uh, where's my cake, Billy? I know I'm the worst. Um, so what it was, it's just like in the, in the article, I kind of just like give everyone just, you know, props and thank yous and, you know, really, you know, once again, what does it mean for me to get on the pro tour? And, you know, after so many years, I, I've been playing since, um, 2000, right. Um, so to wait essentially like 18 years to get on the pro tour for me was a big emotional thing. Um, so I think that for me, that was really um, cathartic just because it, it was a, a big moment in my you know life. And obviously I was, was it 29, right? Well, I think 28 or 29 when I got on the pro tour for the first time. Um, but you know, that was a, that was a dream that, you know, 12 year old Billy had. Um, so, and that's, you know, one that I, I, carried with me for so long that it was it was massive for me um to be able to do that so that article for me was was huge um i think one of the i think one of the best articles that i had though was the um bitter or better um which i know is a, a weird title um but it's just kind of you know talking about like your mindset i know um i think will jonathan ruined a lot of the <laughs> mentality <laughs> uh articles for people um, but I think that was one of my better articles too, just cause, you know, I think we get into this mindset where, you know, you know, I'm so unlucky that, you know, I would have won if it wasn't for this. Like, um, if, you know, I picked this deck, but I should have picked that deck and I knew I should have picked that deck. Right. And I think that article was, was nice because it's like, okay, well, what are you going to do about it? Like you, you made this mistake, uh, you picked this wrong deck, you made this misplay, like what, now what? And once again, you have the option to make it bitter and you get to complain about it and get your complaint equity um or you could make it better and you could try to figure out what the next best play is or um how you recover from that you know bad stumble um or at the very least you get to figure out well how do i avoid to never make that mistake again like what did i learn from this and i think that um especially when i was i think when i wrote the article that was a big part uh big thing that really got me thinking more positively about the game um, and, you know, making my, me complaining about, you know, not making D2 and SEG, right, that gave me the opportunity to say, okay, well, did I, you know, what did I do wrong this time that didn't let me get to where I wanted to get? And, like, you know, how can I improve? And I, that was huge for me. So, I, one of those two articles, I think, I think Bring On The Cake is definitely my, my personal favorite article, but I think for other people, it's usually bitter or better. All right, that was a good... Uh, th this was a very happy ending. I like this one now. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, it was... I said it was a happy ending. It was a, it was a happy ending, but... Yeah, it's still, it's still rough to say goodbye to legit, though. But I guess we, we should probably... We're probably running a little late, though. We should probably start saying goodbye to the, the people, the listeners. Um, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at Expedition Math on Twitter and at Expedition Math on Twitch where I keep saying that I'm going to stream these weekend events uh, and I keep not doing it because I keep waking up with headaches. But, you know, again, assuming I don't wake up with a headache this weekend, I, you will probably see me streaming the PTQ, especially because, honestly, I think this deck that I'm planning to play is really good, but I make a lot of dumb mistakes. So I'm kind of hoping if I uh, talk about my plays before I make them, that I will not make these dumb mistakes. One can hope. Uh, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at BadLuckBandit. If you're interested in finding the podcast, you can find us at Depth underscore podcast. If you're interested in um, emailing the show, you can do that at 
pod at gmail.com. Um, and also, if you, you know, wouldn't mind, take a second, um, go on to Spotify or Apple Podcast and review the show. We've got a couple reviews already, which just makes it a little easier for other people um, to find us, uh, people who are trying to find the show for the first time. Um, and once again, thank you so much for, um, you know, listening and joining us every week. Um, you know, once again, I paying attention to the numbers, trying to, um, you know, see w- where we can improve. And, you know, it's really cool that we saw our vintage episode last week, which was, you know, for us, really it was new ground, right? We talked about a format we never talk about, and we had guests on the for the first time. Uh, and it seems like you guys enjoyed that just as much as we did. So hopefully we'll have some more guests on in the future. Um, so just thank you for all the continued support you give us in the podcast. All right. I'll see you next week. See you next week. All right. Bye.